So I hear you're on the NSA Most Wanted list. Am not. Hmm. Well, we'll have to consult your internet connection for that. Yeah. I most certainly would not downloading all those porn. Yeah, um... Either that or your uh, ISP is epically trolling you. No, I'm pretty sure it's my internet company that got bought out by NSA a while ago. Hmm. Yeah, I hear that happens. This is Control Structure, episode 31, Slimy Devil, for June 19th, 2013, with hosts Andrew Bailey and Christopher Thompson, and now from the Not Kentucky River Valley. So, how did you have a big week? Oh, I had a good week. Um, <laughs> let's see, uh, it started off with uh, some... Uh, a, a dental emergency, uh, followed by a lot of steak. Oh, a dental emergency followed by a lot of steak? Yep. Alright, elaborate. Okay, so it was once upon a time last mm, Wednesday night. Of course, we're recording this on Wednesday, but we'll get around to that later. So, a week ago, I noticed that, uh... Like, a part of my gum was pulling away from my tooth, and I immediately freaked out. Uh, and then I realized this is, like, midnight, and, like, there's, you know, you can't exactly go to the dentist right now. So, I, you know, tried to go to bed, but then I realized that, uh, you know, I am really pumped up right now, and I got to exert myself in order to go to sleep. So I did some push-ups and some sit-ups, and that was enough to get me to go to bed. I woke up, called my CEO that I wouldn't be in at the normal time, and promptly went to the dentist, and she said, Oh, you'll be fine, just don't uh, brush at all, and uh, you know, uh, swish around with salt water. And in five days it should all be healed up. So that seems to be going fine. And then on Saturday... Oh, no brushing your teeth? Very likely. Um, see, then on Saturday, I went to a church stakeout where I had almost two steaks. They were pretty huge. So... Mm. So, yeah. How was your week, Ben? My week has been pretty good. I just got back from not Kentucky Dunes. <laughs> when it, when I went up there for the weekend. Didn't go camping though, but stayed in a motel with five of my other friends. Buried two people. <laughs> Had to dig them up by order of the lifeguards. Apparently, you can't bury people there who aren't dead. <laughs> and then, yeah. So, overall, and, and I did get 
and I did get pulled over by a cop for going apparently 83 in a 70 zone, even though I was only going 75. So I got off on a warning. Okay. So, uh, let's see. And then... Go ahead. And then I watched a strip search on Penny Arcade. Um, they just released their finale episode. So that, that's been pretty interesting to watch. It's essentially the Penny Arcade uh, people like recording a sort of reality TV show uh, with a bunch of webcomic artists. Mm. So, and then... I will have to look at it sometimes. And then I played Hots again. Nice. So, yeah, you need to talk to your kids about Zerg abuse. And not a whole... Not a whole lot of people do. I mean, do you remember Tychus? He lived down the street. That's what happens when you abuse Zerg. Okay. I will let my kid know as soon as I find a wife. <laughs> Good man. What about you? Um, I've already told my kids. What kids? Exactly. You know, it's <laughs> it's... It's very easy to tell zero kids things. Uh, well, I, I I assume you could just tell you nuts that. And speaking of nuts, <laughs> so oh, go ahead. So, well, I guess we could talk about that. So, have you ever used the toilet and you know had this creeping suspicion that something could crawl up the toilet? Well, oh, yes, I have. Well, someone in Canada uh, apparently had a squirrel climb up in her toilet. <laughs> so, um, if you have any suggestions, um, let's see, I heard about this from Loading Ready Run. If you have any suggestions about how to prevent squirrels from entering your toilet, uh, email your suggestion to squirrel get off my ass at loadingreadyrun.com. You know what's going to be really funny? In a few weeks, they're going to do an episode. How to. <laughs> I, can, I can almost guarantee that. Uh, so, yeah, did you hear about E3 and the Xbone? I do know about the Xbone, but I do not know about E3. So... Yeah, yeah. at least do you remember that one thing that uh, Sony did for PlayStation about how to share your games? Yes, I do. Okay, yeah, because that was in response to how ridiculously hard uh, sharing your used games on uh, the new Xbox will be. But in a rather strange turn of events... Microsoft has admitted defeat at E3 and has redropped the restrictive game and connection policies for the Xbox One. Cool. So you won't need to uh, have it connect every 24 hours or at all. Um, let's see. You can just uh, see. After a one-time setup, you can play any disc-based game without ever being online again. And you can take your Xbox One anywhere you want and play your games just like 360. 
and you can trade in, lend, resell, gift, and rent discs just as you do now. Nice. So, I guess it would be relevant if I actually had a console, but I don't. Neither do I. We got PC games. We do. PC for the win. Hey, speaking of PC games, how about that Kickstarter? Oh. Planetary Annihilation. The only $90 beta game I have ever seen. (laughs) Yes. So, I guess this is sort of a Kickstarter in that it's actually not a Kickstarter right now. But it has gone on to Steam. And it's still in development. So, yeah. It is? Yeah, I noticed this uh, earlier this week. Or... (laughs) Maybe over the weekend or something. But I'm like, $90 for a game? <laughs> so that, I'm like... That, that, that's what actually drew my attention. $90? Yeah. yeah. So apparently this was like the lowest Kickstarter tier that allows you to get uh, beta access to the game. Huh. Well, I hope this doesn't become a downfall for them. So... I mean, sure, I don't think that many people like them for their price. I'm sure they're not, they're probably not selling too many copies of this. No. You know, then again, it uh, sort of illustrates the price disparity between, you know, ordering games on Steam and pre ordering them on Kickstarter. Mm hmm. So. Well, well, Kickstarter is just that, trying to. You, you, you give extra money to kickstart a program. Yeah. It's not supposed to be, oh, this is the cheapest possible place to find it. turns out that uh, you can stick a Raspberry Pi in pretty much anywhere. So... Ooh, I see a lot of new toys. Yeah. So this, uh, uh, someone has created a reverse remote SSH tunnel. So, uh, due to the magic of uh, open SSH, uh, you can essentially create a tunnel from some remote location back to your server and then from your server do things on that network through that tunnel that you established and uh, he's done it, this guy has done it in a pretty pretty interesting way in that he's taken a power brick from an old laptop and stuck a Raspberry Pi in it and you know wired it up so you can you know plug it directly into the outlet and plug the other end into a Ethernet jack somewhere, so you can sort of, you know, do the uh, 
you know, really top secret James Bond spy agent thing. Interesting. Very interesting. So you can just like plug it in somewhere and leave it behind a plant and have it be in stealth mode. Huh. You know, it almost looks like a power cable. Oh well, yeah, that's what it's supposed to, you know, like a laptop power cable. Someone just forgot to, you know, just lying around there. Well. So, of course, uh... I guess I'll be going picking up all the power cables. <laughs> so, I suppose you could do uh, another level in that this guy has an Ethernet cord that he stuck in there. Uh, you could probably just stick a wireless, uh, like a USB wireless thing in there and just, like, only have one thing plugged in. Yeah, but then then the people would be looking, Hey, I find some internet around here. Where's it coming from? Well, no, you use that to connect to, like, the, uh, the wireless of wherever it's placed. Ah, so kind of a roundabout connection. Yeah. So now for this week's installment of LOL Apple. Oh, we finally got a LOL Apple? Yes, we finally have and a LOL. Not a LOL Microsoft, LOL. You know, how do we just call it LOL? <laughs> LOL X. That's essentially how it works. Yeah. <laughs> so, um... Uh, let's see, I'm not exactly familiar, but apparently there's this sort of CD label called CD Baby. And what how they essentially do it is... You know, like, you're an ind independent musician, and you need some CD CDs made. You've already got your stuff recorded, but you need a lot of CDs. Apparently, CD Baby makes that happen. So, back in 2003, uh, Steve Jobs was trying to get people excited about uh, uh, iTunes and, like, their 99-cent thing. So... The problem that CD Baby had was that they had a lot of CDs, but not a lot of people to, you know, actually sit there and, you know, upload things. Because apparently, you know, being Apple, you can only do it their way and only their way. So, even though that CD Baby had a lot of these WAV files sitting around, you still actually had to put a CD into a Mac and have it, you know, burn and encode it and then have that uploaded. You couldn't just, you know, say, hey, hey, iTunes, here's bulk wave files. Huh. So, CD Baby had to charge, uh, initially they charged uh, $40 to, you know, have this done. And apparently 5,000 musicians uh, said, hey, we'd like to make that happen. So that $200,000 that they raised helped pay for the equipment and the people and the time to make it happen. So, apparently in two weeks, they were contacted by Rhapsody, Yahoo, Napster, eMusic, and a few other music services, saying that, hey, we would like your entire catalog on our service. But then uh, uh, iTunes said, you know, uh, or rather Steve Jobs, you know, totally sort of uh, watered them down and saying, you know, uh, we have 300,000 songs 
on iTunes, but this number could have been much higher if we wanted to let in every song. Uh, we realize record companies do a great service. You know, they edit. Did you know that if you and I record a song for $40, we can get on iTunes? Um, so Steve Jobs pretty much yelled at this guy in, uh, like a, let's see, what was this? Um, uh, Steve Jobs did a special worldwide simulcast keynote speech about iTunes. So, uh, Steve Jobs said that they were, like, sort of cheapening iTunes, uh, you know, by having people pay and they will get on all these services. So... Uh, the guy at CD Baby is like, okay, fine. Uh, and, like, refunded all these guys' money. And then the day after they did that, then iTunes is like, hey, we'd like some of your music. Uh, so, you know, that was, uh, you know, a rather, how should I say, a mean thing to do on Apple's part. Yeah. Looks like karma came back and bit him, though. How so? He's dead. <laughs> well, among other things. Yep, and, and Apple's products have been dropping in share prices. <laughs> yep. Even though they are perfect. Well, that's what they would like you to... Uh, know and to talk about and stuff. Mm -hmm. But honestly, the, the the new systems that are coming out are much better than Apple. But even though I believe you said about twenty episodes ago, Apple is a Apple area is is coming to an end or has ended. The post Apple era has yeah. started. So. Yeah, have you heard about Linux? No. So, apparently, a lot of uh, OS X users say that they would use Linux if the hardware support was better. And that's total bullshit. And uh, someone actually goes through this argument and saying, so, uh, you know, this, you know, infers that you think that OS X, uh, Mac OS X, uh, has, like, really awesome hardware support. So, anyway, if you use it, what are you running it on? Did you put it on that old Dell you had lying around? How about that Toshiba laptop with a funky keyboard layout? <laughs> uh, are you dual-booting it on your hand-built custom gaming rig? What's that? No! You bought it pre-installed on Apple hardware? And it works really well? Amazing! <laughs> <laughs> so, here's the problem with the argument. What people are really saying when they make this argument in a comparison to a Mac is this. Linux doesn't support the hardware on whatever random machine I tried to throw it on, but OS X runs on its reference platform with no problems. And, you know, that's a double standard to have its great hardware support. You know, a great... a given release of Mac has to support only a handful of hardware configurations, the same ones that Apple uh, ships, whereas yep. Linux has to support 11 billion 
including but not limited to intelligent prosthetic knees. <laughs> but while a poor argument, this would still be a perfectly viable reason to buy a Mac if Linux had no reference platform. Supporting 99% of the hardware in the universe is great, is no comfort if your laptop's touchpad is in the 1%. <laughs> But come on, still, 99%. So, and then he says there apparently is a reference platform. It's not official or anything, but apparently it's called a ThinkPad. Oh, goodness, I hate ThinkPads. Granted, the particular model we have is is exceptionally shitty. Um, you know, I, I've, I've, tr- I've tried several other models since then. No, it doesn't help. Hmm. I what bugs me the most about them is the improper con- placement of the control key. It's not in the lower left-hand corner. Yeah, I've noticed that too. It's like the next one over. Um. Somehow, I I think I've heard that there's like a bio setting you can use to change that, but I don't think it was on uh, the ones we got. Probably not. I have pretty much my roommates using that until he ever gets a laptop. Hmm. So, did you hear about Debian? Uh, is that another Linux thing? Yep. Scrolls. Will somehow, like, that comes crawling out of the toilet? <laughs> Yeah, I've heard, I've heard of it. That that squirrel jumps in wells. He doesn't crawl out of toilets. Ah. So, apparently, Squirrel's favorite operating system has been updated, so say hello to Debian 7.1. So, uh, unfortunately, it doesn't have a complete upgrade list, since I noticed that some of the uh, packages on the other, like the original release, were kind of out of date. But uh, apparently you can just uh, use Aptitude to update to 7.1. So, yeah. Are you doing the internet wrong? No, I am not doing the internet wrong. In fact, I'm not even doing the internet wrong with you. Hmm. Well, I think that's what we're using right now to talk to each other. No, we're using Skype. Yeah, which needs the internet a little bit. But we are not u- we are not using it in a wrong way. So how can I use the internet wrong? I'm glad you asked. Uh, for instance, uh... hey, wake uh, up! I please, I please continue. <laughs> oh, great teacher. So, um, let's see, this isn't, haven't, hasn't really affected me because I don't have a douche phone that much. But, um, <laughs> so, you, you know, like one of those, uh, like URLs that are really long? Uh huh. So, like, apparently, websites, when you punch that into a, a cell phone, that it won't take you to the mobile version of that page. It'll just redirect you to the mobile homepage, and not that huge long URL. 
So mm. Google has apparently taken notice of this and is uh, penalizing sites that do this. Um, another example is uh, huge full-page ads uh, for like a few seconds, and then you have to oh, hit... Oh, I hate those. Yes, and especially for a lot of the stories uh, that I have on this podcast, they're really annoying. Um, let's see, especially Forbes.com. And just an, as an aside, the uh, that little box they have on their sidebar, like who made a billion dollars today, those pictures are like the creepiest pictures ever. Agreed. And... I don't want to know who made a billion dollars. So the uh, the middle one is uh, Larry Ellison, who is the CEO and like the main guy at Oracle. He's already a slimy devil, and that picture makes him look even more like a slimy devil. <laughs> um, let's see. Other things you could do the internet wrong is uh, not using labels for checkboxes. Oh. So, though I, I totally find that one's not... That, I wouldn't say uh, that's just a general bad programming. Yeah. Not exactly dealing with the internet, but just general bad practice. Yeah. Um, clicking on a flag that represents your language... So, apparently... <laughs> so I, I, I always actually love those, because they always left out the U.S. flag, because it falls under British. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, not only does this look very busy, but apparently more than one language can be spoken in a country. True. So... But, but I always did like the little flags ideas. I thought that was kind of creative and unique. Yeah, but um, uh, entering in city and state when you have to enter in your zip code as well. So, but there's apparently there's plenty of caveats to this in that a zip code can represent a few cities and apparently in a few places they cross state borders. Hmm. Yeah, but typically I have found that not to be the case. And again, we are talking about the 1%. <laughs> um, and, and you know what? Screw the 1%. <laughs> so, um, resizing giant images with width and height attributes. So, What's wrong with it? So, apparently... You know, even though that a picture is only taking up a small part of your screen, say 100 by 100 pixels, that yeah. image could essentially be like 2,000 by 2,000. And you have to download the entire image. Uh, true. So, yeah. So, how do you get around this? <sighs> what, just that one? Yeah. Uh, by resizing your image beforehand and saving it and putting it on your server and having your image tags point to that. Okay. Instead of your big, huge one. That's it, a good idea. I should so that at work. So not only are you, uh, 
you know, saving your own bandwidth, you're also helping the page load faster. So, and I believe someone in the comments section down here calls those dumb nails instead of thumbnails. Hmm. So, yeah, there is, there, someone else brought up a point down here in the comments that, um, that I sort of hate. Oh, yeah, like, apparently some websites now have sort of like a fixed toolbar on top. Like, you can keep on scrolling inside, but, like, there's part of the page that is always fixed on the screen. Hmm. I'm, I'm pretty sure that Google Plus does this. Um, but, yeah, they... They function pretty much like frames did back in the 90s. And I'm pretty sure that we decided that frames were evil and you shouldn't use them. Okay. I can't say I've used much frames, so... Yeah, I think I might have played around with them like one time back when I was starting to learn HTML, but I never found them all that useful. So, uh, you hear about Kim.com? Kim? Yeah. No. So, uh, Kim.com, the uh, guy behind Mega and Mega Upload, uh, has sent out a tweet. Uh, apparently, he was recently notified that LeaseWeb, the, his former host for Mega Upload, has wiped all the Mega Upload servers. All user data and critical evidence for our defense destroyed, quote, without warning, unquote. So, if you had... For our defense? Yeah. What do you mean by for our defense? So, apparently, the U.S. government is prosecuting this guy for epic uh, copyright infringement. So, like, having those servers and evidence that, hey, like, most of our stuff is not infringing material is, you know, would kind of help with that. Hmm. So, if you had anything on Mega Upload, it's totally gone forever. Ouch. But... If you had International Backup Awareness Day, you would have backed up all your stuff anyways. Yes. So you should still have it lying around. Yep. So Just go dig it up. Yeah, but... Um, let's see, I think Ars Technica had a report on this one guy who had his hard drive crash just as Mega Upload was being taken down. It... Kind of sucks to be him. Yeah, well. And especially since that this was his, like, business material. He should have an external drive saved at an off-site if it's very vital business material. Yeah, but, oh well. In fact, they shouldn't even be in the same state. Um, this guy was in Ohio, and... I think the mega upload servers were in Virginia. Okay. So, oh well. So, apparently Google's killing something else. 
Um, not, not, let, let me get uh, Google Mail. No. YouTube. I wish, but no. Gmail. That is Google Mail. No, they're not. I know. <laughs> so uh, you might not have heard of this, but apparently uh, Google had something called Chrome Frame, and it was essentially like an add-on or a plug-in or of some sorts for Internet Explorer. So even though you had Internet Explorer 6, uh, you could install this Chrome Frame and allegedly be up to date with uh, web standards. Huh. So, apparently the world has moved on from Internet Explorer 6, thank goodness. And, uh, ah, apparently, cool. apparently this isn't needed anymore, so they're killing it. Well, it sounds like they're just deprecating something old, so... I wouldn't say they're necessarily killing it, they're not just supporting it anymore. So, I mean, it. this actually is understandable... Mm-hmm. So, uh, anyways, uh, um, do you know about CSS? E which one? Because, um, oddly, my company's helpline is CSS. Uh, I mean the web standard. Ah! Yes, the old... The old battle, should you use tables or should you use CSS? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, apparently, for a few Google services, uh, Google was uh, uh, including and loading uh, you know, their style sheets with XML HTTP requests. Um, but, uh, apparently, to work around some issue in IE, uh, on rules in a single style sheet. Which I would wonder why in the world do they have that many rules. I'm not exactly sure how many, like what the limit is here. Uh, but for convenience that they use this technique in all their, in all browsers. Uh, but then they were playing around a little bit and found out that instead of using like JavaScript to request their CSS, they could just put it on the page with a link element, you know, like what you're supposed to, and how the standard actually recommends you do it. And apparently they found that uh, their, that the style sheets loaded about five times faster. Hmm, interesting. So, yeah, standards are there for a reason, and if you work around them... Uh, things might get slow. Hmm. So, uh, in conclusion, uh, XHRs, which are those uh, XML HTTP requests, uh, are requested at low priority and are opaque to the browser. Using declarative markup like link tags enables the browser to do appropriate resource prioritization. So... And I'm definitely doing that on my own blog. Interesting. So, what happens when you use JPEG compressors on Shakespeare? It turns out that you can barely read it.
I thought JPEG was a picture, not a text. Well, this guy did it, uh, Tom Scott, he did a experiment, uh, like what JPEG actually does. Uh, so he wanted to have a more, uh, how should I say, transpose JPEG into a different environment. So he decided to compress uh, some Shakespeare with JPEG, and it's totally unreadable. So, so he, uh, you know, apparently uh, compressed this, uh, compressed Shakespeare with a few levels of JPEG and had them printed and bound um, in, like, actual books. So, on on an image... Uh, you know, there's little minuscule changes, you know, undetectable to the eye, but rearranged into a different form with maximum quality is enough to render the text as a significant challenge to decipher. <laughs> wow. This is awesome. Yeah, and it's like... Ogedy of Romeo Ambiquilis. Oh. Progressively gets worse. Yeah. That is awesome. How much can I buy the book set for? Um, apparently he's not selling them. Uh, but apparently you could probably just do it for yourself. Yeah. But it's just easier being lazy and buy it off somebody. Yeah, um, so it turns out we're sensitive to data loss in text form. We can only consume a few dozen bytes per second, so any error is obvious. Conversely, we're almost blind to it in pictures and images, and so losing quality doesn't bother us all that much. Should it? Hmm. And should it, well, depends on if it's archival quality material. Um, for instance, pretty much all these screenshots I have on my blog, I store in PNG which keeps all the little bits of information. Uh, I will have to start saving all my pictures in PNG. So, I mean, unless unless they're an actual photo and you get it off the camera in a JPEG. But, uh, at least for, like, all the screenshots of games, I keep in PNG. And then what I do is I take those PNGs and back them up and create a copy of that and downscale them and do JPEG on those. So later in like 10 years, when internet speeds get really good, I can, you know, sort of redo them, make them bigger, uh, increase the quality, and so forth. Hmm. Sounds like fun. Yep. So, um... So you know about software patents, right? Yeah, no. Uh, software patents, yes. Yeah, you hear about them all the time. Um, yeah, and, and those troll companies. Yep. So uh, apparently a landmark patent office ruling has uh, stricken an abstract software patent and the uh, Electronic Frontier Foundation really likes this and has submitted an amicus brief in a related court battle. So this is, you know, again, you know, some company 
uh, put up this really uh, vague thing. Uh, uh, this company called Versata in 2007 filed a lawsuit against SAP, uh, which is like a really big uh, uh, international company that does internal business software, that SAP infringed a patent on a method, quote, for pricing products in a multi-level product and organizational groups. Um, so apparently someone found out how to get, like, one of SAP's software products uh, to essentially infringe on this. But apparently that's essentially what their product does. It's very configurable. So, hmm. you know, there's just, like, this nebulous you know, abstract platform that can be made to do almost anything. But um, apparently no one else had done this except for this one lawyer. So, you know, huh. this, this sort of, you know, protects against, you know, say, uh, you know, Microsoft has, you know, the .NET platform and someone sues them because, you know, someone wrote a program that infringes on a patent. Gosh, good patent. It's a, it's a relic of the past. Mm. I mean, they can still be useful, especially for physical things, but for software, physical, no. Oh, yes. Software, no. Exactly. So, it needs to be done away with. Yep. Which Congress tried to do, and failed miserably at it. Yeah, Congress fails miserably at everything. Yeah, we had such high hopes. Yep. So, in another related court thing, uh, SCO versus IBM has been reopened. And this was, and now is apparently, the case where SCO has alleged that there is Unix code in Linux. Uh, which is, like, essentially patently false from the start since Linux is a completely different clean room implementation of Unix and contains no Unix code at all. So it sort of emulates Unix. You sort of understand what I'm getting at? Yeah. So apparently this other company didn't think so and, and was suing IBM over it. And it apparently for a while there it looked like it was you know closed and settled. Uh, but apparently it has been reopened again for some reason. It doesn't exactly look like the uh, this other company will win, though. Why? Uh, because they're arguing something that is not true. Hmm. So, anyways, uh, you have an NVIDIA card, right? I don't know. You tell me. I bought it from you. Pretty sure it is. Alright, then I do. So, <laughs> and you hear that uh, PC sales are down? Which is kind of ironic considering I'm planning on buying a PC soon. Good, so you should be able to get one for pretty cheap? Yep. So far, I have all, all almost... About 50% of the components, I'm only at $500, and I'm at pretty much top of the line for everything. Nice. So, 
This uh, is a little bit concerning to NVIDIA because, you know, they're having dwindling sales on their uh, graphics cards uh, because, you know, fewer and fewer PCs are being sold. So they have totally flipped the equation upside down. And uh, they are now beginning to license their GPU units uh, for to other companies. So, for instance, uh, you know... Uh, NVIDIA has this thing called Tegra, which is essentially a CPU with a GPU on it. It's, you know, uh, used for tablets and stuff and cell phones. But now they're letting uh, pretty much anyone use it. Uh, you know, they'll sign a license agreement and stuff, and they can implement sort of like the same thing on their own company's products. So, good for NVIDIA. Hmm. Yep. Well, you gotta do whatever you can to to survive. Yep. So, and, you know, of course, right now, uh, graphics cards, you know, for desktops is a major part of their business, so that's not going anywhere soon. Yep. So. Uh, oh, anyways, for the next news... India will send us flash telegram next month. Yep. So uh, they're discontinuing their uh, telegram service on July 14th. So uh, a lot of people are sort of upset over this in that uh, telegrams are officially recognized as legal documents in India. Uh, whereas, you know, emails and text messages are not. So, um, and, well, give it some time. But that, but that means uh, no more, te- no more Telegram call center support. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm sorry, I had to work that into somehow. Hello, how may I help you with your Telegram? No, it'd be much better than that. Beep 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 beep. Huh? He's not answering. Beep 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 beep. <laughs> So, uh, this article mentions that it will be the world's last telegram, uh, but that is not true. Uh, telegram services are still in operation in several countries. Uh-huh. So... Emphasize, we can always power up the telegram here. Yeah, you wrote that Morse code thing, didn't you? Yes, I did. Ah, you're gonna have to post that somewhere. Yes, I am. I do have an executable. Here, let me upload it to... No, wait, that site's gone. Mega Uh, upload. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Maybe uh, do a GitHub. Perhaps. So, um, Wikipedia has a list of countries that uh, still have uh, Telegram service. And also, along with... uh, countries that have closed their telegram services. So in the U.S., Western Union closed its service in January 2006. 2006, yeah. Yeah, so, but don't think that using a telegram could make you immune to NSA surveillance, uh, because apparently they were reading bulk telegrams decades ago as part of Project Shamrock. 
Eh, it doesn't surprise me. Yep. So, yeah, this was uh, the version of Prism in the 1960s and 70s. Hmm. So, speaking of the NSA, uh, there's plenty of... How, there's... how did that thing go? Well, apparently groups are now piling lawsuits onto the NSA. Um, they're ganging up all the way to the legal limit. Uh, you know, of course, the uh, now the ACLU has uh, thrown in the American Civil Liberties Union. So they're essentially suing on the grounds of uh, the Fourth Amendment. So there's uh, also a copy of uh, the ACLU lawsuit in the docs here. Um, but remember all those body scanners in the airports? Yeah. Um, you know, I don't think I've actually been through one of those naked ones before. I have. Uh, but... And I have nothing to hide. <laughs> oh, yeah, baby. Wait, yep. this is the food show, not the innuendo show. Hey, you were the one who was thinking dirty. <laughs> so, uh, the lawsuit over those body scanners uh, could essentially kill the NSA's domestic spying uh, stuff. So, the, the essential argument for that was that the... Uh, the TSA, you know, the people in the airport, uh, they did not conduct a public hearing uh, for something that would dramatically affect the public. Um, so that's what the NSA did or didn't do, is that they essentially imposed this on the public without them ever knowing or discussing it. Hmm. So, and apparently uh, the NSA has also been building a huge data center out in Utah. Hey, that's where we were, right? Yep. They picked a bad location. So, well, not really that bad, but... Anyways, what's at this data center? Um, well, uh, right now they're just building it. Uh, but it'll essentially house pretty much all their data gathering stuff. So, you know, they're building this huge epic data center that can hold a lot. They supposedly need to fill it with something. Like all those text messages and Facebook stuff about girls saying, Oh my gosh! Hmm. So. Interesting. So, uh, Moxie Marlinspike says that, uh, you know, asks, do you have something to hide? Should you? Yes, you definitely should. Um, because apparently, uh, no one really knows, uh, all the things that you could be charged under federal law. Um, it has been reported that the Congressional Research Service cannot even count the correct number of federal crimes. Uh, estimates range to nearly 10,000. So, they could pretty much get you on anything, uh, even using a computer and speaking out about the NSA. Oh, we love the NSA. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> Go NSA. <laughs> so. NSA sucks. <laughs> 
I'm just kidding. So, um, yeah, with all those uh, metadata gathering about, you know, Verizon handing over all those phone call records, apparently Verizon Wireless is sort of a separate company. Um, Verizon Wireless? Yeah. And uh, uh, I have Verizon. I've never heard of Verizon Wireless. Uh, I have. So, if you have a Verizon cell phone, it's likely Verizon Wireless. Oh, in that case, then. You know, I keep getting a gateway timeout trying to connect to this page. Huh. So, uh, apparently the Wall Street Journal has reported that Verizon Wireless and T-Mobile do not, quote, directly help the NSA due to potential issues raised by their foreign ownership ties. So, hmm. so we're probably spied on, but not quite as closely. Well, that's good for me then. So, you know, um, apparently there was a little issue with the IRS recently about, uh, like taxing Tea Party groups or something. Okay. So, uh, uh, the representative Steve Stockman of Texas has requested a subpoena of NSA's White House and IRS phone logs. Just because he can. Hmm. So, you know, hey, if they're the government, they shouldn't have anything to hide, right? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, now that the NSA has all this stuff, um, a bank robbery sub- suspect in Florida... Uh, wants NSA phone records to prove his uh, defense and innocence. I mean, after all, they have all the phone records, so they shouldn't have any problem with handing it over. Huh. Not not sure if it'll work, though, but... Probably not. But, hey, why not try? Yeah, though... So, as if the, you know, the phone numbers and the duration of calls wasn't, you know, bad enough, apparently the NSA has acknowledged in a new classified briefing that it does not need court authorization to listen to domestic phone calls. So... Domestic as in going outbound of the United States? Within. Within? Yeah. So if I were to call you on a real phone, that would be domestic. Really? Yeah. Whereas... We could, we, we could have some fun. Yes, we could. I said another troll coming. Yes. Um, and also, um, I have also confiscated this list, this top secret list of all the keywords that the NSA looks for. Maybe I should have included these in my message from last week. Let's see, what do we have? Garbage? Beef? Really? So, yeah, it's, uh... Unclassified? Cowboy. Yeah, President, Freedom, White House, Bullion, Three... 
Yeah, number three, crypto anarchy. Basement uh, screws. AT and T SGI Sun MCI. C A B D the. Say uh, Elvis. Plutonium Texas. Unix. Yeah. So. Uh, let's see. You know, at at this point, I think just about every conversation, just because of A and the, every single conversation ever done has fallen under this hit list. <laughs> so... Okay, okay. There's, there's like that little arrow that points up down here in this list. Really? Yeah, it's right by Sardine. I see it there, yeah. How are you supposed to say that? <laughs> oh, that that's the hat symbol. Yeah. Okay. Huh. So, I'm I'm guessing this probably uh would match like source code because like there's a dollar sign in there. Uh, PGP 5.1, that's like an encryption technology. Hmm. Man, some of these are just too bizarre. Passwords, ISS, firewalls, computer terrorism. So, yeah. Those are spook words at major intelligence agencies. So, you know, this is this is why some paranoid folks say the internet is so slow. The NSA says that they don't read it, but that's what the NSA would say. So, hmm. yep, I'll be sure to spam those words whenever I can. Not just copy and paste and send a dozen emails. <laughs> In fact, write, write an automated job that sends these emails. <laughs> So, uh, let's figure out some more numbers from terrorism. Um, so, apparently, you are 2,059 times more likely to kill yourself than to die at the hands of a terrorist. Oh, that's good to know. Yeah. You are also 11,000 times more likely to die in an airplane accident than from a terrorist plot involving an airplane. Yep. Uh, you are 13 times more likely to die in a railway accident than from a terrorist attack. You are 12 times more likely to die from accidental suffocation in bed than from a terrorist attack. Uh, you are 8 times more likely to be killed by a police officer than a terrorist. You are also 8 times more likely to die from accidental execution than from a terrorist. And... Let's see. Yeah, and then six times more likely to die from hot weather. Huh. And then they have a nice little chart down here. Mm-hmm. Uh, toxoplasmosis is a brain parasite. The CDC reported that more than 375 Americans die annually due to it. Um, so you're about 22 times more likely to die from a brain-eating zombie parasite. <laughs> Yay, I died from zombie parasites! Nice. So, yeah. 
don't be afraid about the terrorists. Far more mundane things are likely to kill you. Yeah. But it's also one of the things that, unless if you stop it a little bit, it, it could have grown. Yeah. Um, like people's waistlines. Um, yes. You are many thousands of times more likely to die because you are fat than from a terrorist. Ironic, the- ironically, the terrorist would probably kill you because you're fat. Probably. So, that seems to be all the depressing news I have. Depressing? What was depressing about that? Oh, yes, we were doing math. Yeah, math. So, uh, we don't have any uh, feedback to talk about this week, but if we would like to... Again? Second week in a row? Well, I suppose I could fake some. But I, well, that wouldn't be real. You'd have to read it all. That's fine. Ryan commented, screw feedbacks. <laughs> well, that's not very nice, Ryan. <laughs> so, <laughs> go ahead and use the submit, con- uh, submit using the contact feature. And don't forget, today is International Backup Awareness Day. I believe As every day is International Backup Awareness Day. So, back up your stuff. Not on Mega Upload. Yes. And if it's important enough, you'll have three copies of it. And I would send one to an off-site location. Yes. So, hi, Mom. I hope you haven't deleted my backups. So, yeah. So, so, turns out, today is uh, Wednesday, uh, which is a day after that we tr- you know, usually have our podcasts. Yeah, but my internet was gone yesterday. Yeah, we had some storms come through uh, the not-Kentucky area. Really? Uh, the, yeah, the not-Kentucky River Valley. Huh. Oh, I wasn't even paying attention outside. Yeah, I think I think some storms passed through your part. Uh, there definitely were storms coming through here. So, if you happen to access my blog... Uh, sometime yesterday afternoon and you didn't get it, well, apparently there's a power outage at my apartment and uh, the server turned off and I had to push the power button when I came back home. You mean you don't you don't have an auto turn on? I thought I did, but I'll have to look at the BIOS. I, I at least recall once looking in there. I guess I didn't turn it on or it was oh, reset. Oh, this is awesome. What? Yeah, let me send you this link. It's a balcony. A balcony? Yeah, yeah, let me put it down here somewhere and thank yours. Okay. So, I guess that's it. Um, not really doing anything much this weekend. So. Oh, that's good. I have a production turn this weekend. Oh! Yep. Should be fun. What's the worst that can happen? Everything fails, everything's deleted, and you lose your job. Alright. What's the worst that can happen? You could get killed by a terrorist. (laughs) Oh no! 
Well, at least I would be in the statistical few. Yes, you would be in the 1% of the 1%. Yes, I would. So, but after you're killed by a terrorist eight times, you should be winning the lottery. (laughs) Really? Yeah. So, uh, I guess that's it. So, uh, have a good one. You too. Bye.